he posts it um in no less than like a dozen responses of like oh yeah that's trash that's not gonna work like oh yeah those reports are ugly i, I would never pay you know 79 bucks a month for your shitty software so. <laughs> What's up, everybody? I am Mike. I'm here with Kevin. We're co-founders of Spectora, and we're going to talk about our journey over the last five years of uh, growing our SaaS startup from zero to an eight-figure business. So, Kev, dude, we, we have a multi-million dollar SaaS business. And we're doing a podcast about it. It feels great. Um, and we've never really talked about it and opened up and kind of, you know, reminisced. So I love that we're doing this. Um, we'll see if anyone listens or cares. Yeah. It's been such a journey these five, six years and like worst case scenario, at least we encapsulate some of these thoughts and lessons learned for our future selves. And yeah, best case scenario, we, we help some other people trying to go along the same journey. We, we've been helped and inspired by multiple people. You know, we'll probably constantly shout out the, you know, startups for the rest of us, the founders journal, all these things that we've heard and it's kind of paying it forward. I think it's almost an obligation and a duty to like share some of this. Cause that's kind of what the bootstrapper community is about. For sure. So let's, let's flash back. So five years, it's probably close to like, what, five and a half, six years when we actually had the idea first. And then we launched just a little over five years ago. Uh, let's, let's just take it back and kind of re- reminisce on how this all came to be. So back to probably 2015, yeah? So we're talking. Yeah, so mid 2015, like where were you in life? What were you thinking about? Perfect. 2015, I was working at Home Advisor, um, which is known as Angie Home Services. They did a merger with Angie's List. So I was working there on their SEO team. Um, I was probably three years into what I thought was going to be maybe a career. I, maybe I, I think I knew in the back of my head, I didn't want to work my way up kind of a corporate ladder. So I was on the SEO team, probably making 50K, um, but I was learning a ton. So it was a job where I was learning about how the big companies um, do SEO. Because obviously, Home Advisor is under the umbrella of, um, I always get the letters wrong. I not ICA because that's in our industry. IAC. Uh, IAC exactly. Yeah. Huge conglomerate, um, tons of portfolio companies like TripAdvisor, Tinder, and so I was kind of doing the day to day there. It it had a startup vibe, so I was playing ping pong every day, which is uh, felt great, but it was also like you know I was learning cool things, but. To me, and I was also doing real estate. So I was also a realtor at the time. So I was doing decent at that. I was probably doing five, you know, seven deals a year. So I was making a good living. So I felt like I was making a good living. I had um, a job where I was learning a ton, but it wasn't going to make make us rich. wasn't going to make me rich. It, it didn't. It didn't satisfy everything. So that's where I was at in fifteen. I think that's about it. Because I had just come from finance, so I was a finance major. I was at Schwab, then Fidelity, started to slowly hate my life and job and not buy. Like, I didn't want to sell annuities to old people. It, it felt terrible to do. So I, uh, I quit that, begged, scratched and clawed and pleaded for a job at Home Advisor. And I think that was, that, that'll play into our story a lot because I was always taught, um, you know, I had a mentor at Schwab that was always like, hey, you're either learning or earning. And I took that job at Home Advisor to learn. And it was like, I started like 40 K I think. And I was like, I don't care. I just want to learn SEO and learn digital marketing. And so I was exposed to all aspects of it there, uh, which kind of set the stage for what we did. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. 2015. Gosh, I think I was finishing grad school for counseling psychology. At the time I thought I wanted to be a therapist. 
um, I, my history is so eclectic, right? Like I bounced in and out of tech, sometimes as a uh, web developer, sometimes as a graphic designer. And then I'd go off and be like a, working at a kid's after school program for a couple of years. And then I'd do tech a little bit more for some startup, make enough money to like feel okay. And then I'd go and like start a business doing like surf lessons and taking, you know, international students camping or something and, um, and basically deplete my savings <laughs> until I needed another tech job. And, um, and at some point along the way after, yeah, you remember when I like kind of quit my life, sold all my possessions, went and volunteered on a farm in France for like a season and then decided I'm going to go to grad school and um, was kind of going through grad school, trying to finish it up, but also realizing like, wow, this is going to be really hard financially when my wife and I are talking about having kids and, um, you know, Denver, it's not like the highest cost of living city, but it's not cheap either. And so it's getting there. Yeah. And so just knowing the kind of like lifestyle we wanted, um, I think we were kind of licking our wounds from the t-shirt company you and I had started together mm -hmm. where we were trying to create, um, inspirational clothing for children, kind of inspired by your daughter, um, my niece, uh, we're brothers. You couldn't already catch that on. <laughs> and so we, you know, we, we did not have a lucrative t-shirt business. It's such a competitive industry, but we learned a lot about working together, about running a business. And I think we were just kind of on the search for a new idea to try. And I think at the time I was thinking, hey, I can balance like being a therapist part-time. We can start a little kind of side hustle. And um, we we're just looking for the right idea. We wanted a SaaS. We wanted a, you know, just a product that we can grow, have a small user base. We were looking for a niche where we didn't have to do the whole like fundraising route because that just seemed kind of not what we were after. And so we were just kind of ready for an idea. And I remember tossing around ideas that in retrospect were probably just ridiculous, like competing with, you know, massive names and B2C spaces. Um, yeah. Do you remember kind of some of those like early talks of us like, oh, we should do this? Yeah, I really do. Um, first of all, I think it's so relatable that, you know, like I think entrepreneurs come from two camps and I think one is yours where it's like, they have good freelancing gigs. They, they can bounce around. They can live wherever the nomad lifestyle. And then some are like me where they had a corporate job and they're just like, this sucks. I want to go be an entrepreneur. So I think it's very relatable. Um, and then two, I think we have future episodes of like doing the t-shirt company because we were doing it part-time. We weren't all in. So it's like, we learned a ton there and then, you know, and then um, kind of ramping up the company while still earning a little income from other things. That's like a whole episode topic on its own. But yeah, we, one of our ideas was Reckly. So it was a recommendation engine. So it was like a, who all of your friends use for like doctors, lawyers, like gynecologists, all these things you don't want to just throw out there. And I still don't hate the idea, but it would have been in hindsight really hard and because we face obscurity is just like, no one knows who you are. Why would anyone get on there if no one's on there? Yeah. So, so then I, I meet somebody and like all people that's important in my life. I met them through sports. This one at a ski condo. Um, I don't think I've ever met people like the traditional route of just like networking events. It's always through like sports or some shared activity. Meet a friend through this um, ski condo that everybody was sharing and he was somebody that also wanted to start a company. And so we all started talking. And I, my recollection's a little vague here. I think you, me, and him went to dinner, I think at the Hornet on, Broad, on South Broadway. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were all pumped about starting a business. And then he kind of was like, guys, I, 
I have this like idea. There's this niche. My dad is a home inspector and software in that space sucks. There's still like DVDs that you can only install on a PC, like desktop installable platforms. There's very few SaaS companies and they seem like all kind of mom and pop operations. So it's something that we can be kind of competitive in. And um, do, you, do you remember what that feeling was like when we were first like, oh, uh, what, who? <laughs> Right. No, I, and I guess personally, I knew a little bit about it because I had worked with home inspectors in real estate. And I understood, I think that a lot of these contractor spaces are, are really outdated when it comes to their tech. They're not forward thinking. So I remember thinking like, huh, man, this is, this kind of makes sense. Or I remember thinking, okay, we're going like super niche here, SaaS. It's, I still blown away that SaaS hadn't really uh, permeated through an industry like this yet, but I also wasn't surprised. So yeah, it was, it was kind of like, cool. That's a, someone that has a family member that has access to the industry that kind of was our a little in. And then, right. you know, me working with home inspectors, kind of seeing reports being like, Oh yeah, those reports always did suck. Um, I think that's what I thought. I don't know. I remember thinking that doesn't sound sexy at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, I probably thought that too. Yeah. yeah. And, then we, and then we come to find out like, yeah, this is actually a really great opportunity. Um, something I knew nothing about. I didn't even own a own any property at that time. I was renting an apartment downtown, just like kind of ig- ignorant to that entire space. I, I didn't know the difference between an appraiser and inspector. I didn't know anything about the transaction process, but our friend kind of convinced us like, this is the idea. And so in the beginning, it was the three of us plus one of his friends who um, they had also talked about the idea and thought that they wanted to start a company together. So we kind of joined forces and said, hey, let's start meeting in my apartment in our little living room. And we're gonna like whiteboard out, gosh, like everything, the features that we wanna build for like an MVP, how we're gonna organize a founder's agreement what, um, yeah, just what it should look like, what it should be, how it should be different. And uh, yeah, I have some fond memories of like, just those little things where we were full of hope, enthusiasm and and naivety, really. (laughs) Yeah, and probably doubt, but you know, everything that's mixed in, but anyone that's starting something, I think can relate to the, well, we don't exactly know for sure. We did a little research on like the market size. So we were like, okay, 20, 30,000 potential customers. I, th- I think in our heads, we were like, Hey, if we can make a couple of grand a month off this, this, this would be great. Like this, oh, you yeah. know, this could, we can make a, an okay living. We don't know how many hours we'll have to put in, but I let don't me know. Tell you, <laughs> let me tell you my naive vision at the time is like, Oh yeah, this is a side hustle. We do a few hours a week or evenings and weekends. And then I make like a few grand a month to pay for my, my rent. And then that, this idea is what enables us to have that freedom to work on like our big ideas. Right. And I, and you know, in my head, I was like, oh yeah, we have like a year, year and a half timeline till, till this is just this thing that runs itself and just money flows into our bank account. That couldn't have been further from the truth as we will kind of dive into over (laughs) numerous episodes. (laughs) Uh, Which is crazy to think that like how, I bet you that's so common of like this thing, and then we're thinking, and then people are thinking of the next thing. I see it on Twitter all the time, to be honest, where people are like, they're literally working on a SaaS and doing the whole build in public thing. And then they're like tossing around ideas for the next thing. And in my head, I'm just like, how are you ever going to succeed with the first thing? But, um, and we have friends yeah, I, that, that had like multiple businesses that, you know, we're trying to grow all of them simultaneously. And I, 
our experience has taught us, you know, anecdote here that like we needed to dedicate ourselves full in. We needed to throw everything we had at it, drop everything else. Um, and that gradually happened. You know, it wasn't like an overnight thing, but like over the course of what the year and a half, two years of, um, yeah, those first couple of years, eventually this was our hundred percent focus. Deep focus. And that's a whole nother episode on its own of like truly what, you know, I just told you, you know, mentioned the book 10 X of like what it takes to kind of usurp, you know, legacy players is going so deep and be showing up every day at 110, you know, percent, 150%, whatever. So yeah, that's what it ended up being, but that's, that's a good topic for a future episode. So we were meeting, I think weekly, I did, I, did we commit to weekly meetings? So this is in, this is before anything's built, right? We committed to weekly sessions of just talking about it, you know, and it felt like for a few months, that's all we did is every week we come back together, we talk about it. We, you know, weren't making, it felt like a ton of progress, but really it's just a lot of time for ideas to kind of coalesce the founders agreement to kind of get hammered out and who's got, who does what. But yeah, it, it was definitely um, weekly. I looked back at our calendar history and I was like, oh, there's, there's a weekly. calendar events. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that without knowing is kind of like showing each other you're dedicated by dedicating time, like intentionally showing up to a place, talking about it. And I think any new founders know it's like, there's that unsure dance of like, are you fully into this or am I fully into this? I don't know, but let's just get together and see how, how excited we could get. So, so that was six months, I think of meeting competitor research, industry research. I think I started emailing a couple home inspectors. Yeah. Yeah. We Um, had a couple people that were like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll, give you feedback whenever, but I don't think I took it super seriously at that time. Right. Um, and then, so, yeah. What, what, where'd we go from there? When do we start building? So I want to say it was like some, you know, at some point in early 2016, I remember actually writing code, starting the repository of code um, with my background engineering, as well as our friends, him and I were like the, the two developers on it. And so we just started writing code. I remember him and I started getting together at coffee shops a little bit more frequently and trying to hammer out some of these things. Um, at the time, I was also kind of freelancing and I had a couple of freelance gigs. I was trying to either wrap up or, or just keep in balance with like doing work on this. If it was that kind of part-time, like dipping toes in, our friend had a full-time gig. And so he was definitely trying to balance that lifestyle. And um, I think at the time he was also like, doing the RV thing and sometimes like in a different state or mm-hmm. off the grid. And so I remember some communication difficulties there. Um, but yeah, we definitely spent some time with that. And then it was early 2016 when our friend's friend, the one that we hadn't really known well, but got brought into the project, just realized like he wasn't putting in the time, you know, we were each having, making ourselves goals and he just kind of realized like, yeah, I just I don't have the time for this. Right. Do you remember what that was like? Yeah, because I remember we we had good cadence meeting, you know, through the end of 15. I think we were all excited. There was starting to be like early mock-ups and designs of uh, the report, you know, what it would look like. And then once that kind of like that little work was done there, and then I was like, okay, now it's like dev, you know, dev work time. And yeah, I got to a point where, you know, they had their full-time jobs. They were really invested. I think they may have had equity, something like that. So then it's like, that started to just feel like an overhedge where it's just like, this is mostly what we're into and we're going to kind of 
see this thing through. And I think it started to feel like, okay, you pull on your weight. What, what else can you do? What else are you going to pick up and run with? And it started to just, you know, in the Slack channel feel like me and you like turning it up a notch being like, all right, we got to keep pushing, keep getting to the next level, keep getting it in front of people, keep marketing, whatever. Yeah. So, I yeah. Re- so I remember that feeling of like, this is what I'm going to devote to. And I think I had only learned that through, you know, cause like with tech projects, every, every developer probably knows you, you have these side projects, you start something, you never finish. And um, like a year prior, I had made my second iPhone game. That was just a beast. Like my first iPhone game was like the simple runner. It's pretty easy to do in a couple of months. The second one, I was doing all my own animations and sound effects and like trying to make it really complex. Um, and, and that just took like, I think a better part, eight or nine months of just me building day in, day out, like more than full time on it. And that taught me something about dedication to a project. And so I wanted to feel that same dedication to, to this. And I remember you and I kind of were like, yeah, let's go all in. Let's see where this can go. And the other two guys, it, yeah, you're right. It felt like they were kind of hedging the bets. And so, so yeah, at some point in early 2016, it was down to three where the other guy kind of was like, Hey, I see how this is feeling. I'm going to bow out. I know I'm not as invested with you guys. And that's for the better. So I don't think you and I ever, ever felt like he was all in. Right. Um, but our friends, when they, I had met through that ski condo, loved him. Great guy. So much energy and enthusiasm. Just seemed like he was kind of spread too thin. He was trying to do a lot of stuff in his life, personal life, and like enjoying his, you know, RV lifestyle and recreation, full-time job. And then this thing. And so I remember over the course of early 2016, um, he also had that thing where he's just like, guys, I, I see you're, you're all in on this. Take the idea, run with it. They, they both signed off on like, hey, this thing's all yours. Like I, I, I forget the legal terms, something about relinquishing all ownership of it. Right. And, um, you know, and then it was just you and me with this idea we didn't come up with. And Ben now not really having that connection with his dad. And so we were just kind of like, okay, here we are. We we're going to do this. Yeah. I mean, that it is, that's a whole nother episode topic too, in terms of like getting co-founder buy-in and what else you have going on in life, I think, because yeah, it, it matters so much that we were able to just say, we're going to do whatever it fucking takes to make this work now. Like this is our baby. This is our thing. <laughs> you know, this is our oh, yeah. in- inherited baby. So yeah, it was like, okay, what can, who can we talk to? You know, what home inspectors, um, do I know through, through, um, real estate reached out to them, just gotten crumbs of feedback, you know, like not a ton, you know, because it's hard to ask a home inspector, a home services professional, what they think about their technology. A lot of them just use what they use and they're just like, oh yeah, it's good. I, it's, it's what I use. So it was a lot of, this was kind of the phase I think where you had been building for months um, and putting in front loading a lot of the work, frankly. So it's like ton of work put in. I was writing content on a sister website that we called like the smart home inspector or something. So we, we threw up a site and said, we're just going to crank out content this is before even we even had a product out there. So it's just like that. So to marketing people, it's like, that's what you could and should be doing probably is being productive, learning how to write, learning how to create content. So that's probably a no brainer to some and people. Gaining a following, right? Right. Get someone to pay attention to what you're writing, you know, cause then once they trust you even a little, you might be able to ask them something, ask something of them, which is like, Hey, what software are you using? What pain okay. points do you have? 
So it was a big phase of coffee meetings. Um, we went and met a couple home inspectors together, like some guy on a ranch. I remember he had like horses everywhere. It was really bizarre. It was like, we went out there and we're like, holy shit, we on a farm. And, uh, I don't know if we learned anything, but we were just, we were literally just trying to talk to anyone that would talk to us. Right. Yeah. I, I remember that. It was hilarious. It felt so like, wait, we're SAS founders, but we're like on this farm, like having coffee with this, you know, not super refined dude that was just basically opining on like life and, and maybe yeah. a little bit of software. I don't even think he looked at the mock-ups or, no, he didn't look at anything. Or anything. He just wanted somebody to buy him coffee. I feel like. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so that was hilarious, but that's, I think, representative of some of the hustle. We were just like, Oh, cool. Anybody who would give us any thoughts at all. I think you leveraged the smart home inspector. Um, Cause it was kind of like a, here's how to market your business. Here's how to be a digital um, player when it comes to elevating the search rankings. And so then you started leveraging, I think we called it like a website review or SEO review or something. An online presence review, an OPR terrible name terrible name terrible acronym but like we had to make something up um and i think i in hindsight it worked i think i think if you can teach someone in an industry that's less savvy about anything it could be design it could be marketing if you can teach them something or do something for free that was where we were at we had more time than money so it's just like hey we'll do this for you for free give you seo tips um in exchange you basically give us your email and we email you and ask you questions about software about you know what you like or don't like so that was that got us a little traction not a ton i mean it's probably like a dozen people yeah and then meanwhile and i'm sure we'll do a whole episode on how to build your mvp and like what what how how that mindset should be meanwhile i'm building i've looked at the competitors not too in depth but at least have an understanding of what their their features are we're talking home inspectors trying to understand what they need i think i went along with the home inspector on one of the homes you sold, you ask your home inspector if like your brother could tag along. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like peeking over shoulder, asking a ton of questions, looking at, you know, this oh, software right. that you might be using and just like really starting to formulate. Like if I had to reimagine this, knowing very little about home inspections, but knowing, you know, I, I built a lot of prototypes for other people's startups. I'd seen how some people have failed by spending way too much money early on instead of just like get something minimal out there, iterate on it based on real user feedback instead of all these things you think might be an issue or not. And so, yeah, I was building, you know, very, very quickly iterating on like, hey, let's get something out there that does the minimum essential features. I remember there were certain paths where if they didn't do the happy path, it just results in like a white screen or just like a blatant (laughs) error that there's just like, there's no user feedback at all. But I was just like, you know what? If I can code for the happy path, that's something we can get feedback on. And so, gosh, that was most of 2016 was just building. At some point I started building the mobile app. Um, I think that was in the fall before we launched. Cause that was like the big piece that, you know, needed that used in the field. And so after all the backend stuff was there building the, the app that they use in the field, um, around that point, I think I had almost scaled back or finished all my side projects. I was still doing some, uh, therapy work as a counselor with certain clients, but I think I don't remember if I was still taking on new clients or, you know, just kind of pumping the brakes and trying to get my name out there. But, um, it was definitely something I was still using to make money. Uh, definitely had some ongoing kind of like maintenance, um, side projects that were like, all right, cool. You'd get five, 10 hours every week of mine, but it started to feel a lot more full-time, uh, towards the end of that year, because I, I, I remember feeling the excitement of certain inspectors that we were talking to. They're just like, Oh, this is so visually different and like refreshing compared to everything that we use in our space. This feels like Apple suddenly entered the arena or something like that. 
Yeah, which was um, of course a huge compliment, right? Like design Apple, just the usability that I was like, yes, that's what I was thinking about. That's what I was going for. Um, so I remember that 2016 is being just so filled with hope and excitement and um, writing a lot of code. Yeah, yeah, and I want to do an episode on kind of how that felt kind of being more in before I was more in. So it's like, you were like, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, 75% all in. And I was still probably 25 to 50% because I still had my full-time job at home advisor. So it was like, I was, I could do an episode on getting up early in the morning, working on the side hustle, doing it at night and weekends. And then you can talk about what it's like to kind of take more steps forward before anyone else, because there's, there's all kinds of resentment. There's all kinds of doubt sprinkled in. There's all, you know, there's a lot of heavy emotions there that I think, yeah. co-founders or founders need to be thinking about. Oh, I love that you brought that up because I, I want so many of our future episodes to also dive into like the psychology, the emotional dynamics um, between co-founders for sure, between owners and their employees, between owners and customers, like all of these things are so, we talk about them so much. They're so important to how we run our business, how we do business, how we see life. And because um, yeah, you're right. I remember those feelings of resentment of like, gosh, am I putting all this effort in? And then you know, Kevin's not going to really commit or is, is he going to bail? And it's just going to be me with this thing. And, um, and that was a little bit scary, but I think we talked through it, right? We just continued yeah. to have those talks. We, we create some systems. I remember every day we create a Slack channel and it's you and me just talking to each other on like 20 <laughs> different channels. And um, there was like our goals channel. It's like every day we just started off with like, here's what I'm going to try and knock out today. And then every evening we put in our accomplishments in the accomplishments channel. And it's like, here's what I'm going to, here's what I did today. Here's what I accomplished. Maybe here's the things I didn't get done and why. And so we created like this accountability system to each other. We have 24 employees now and that still, still has, do it. we still have a goals and accomplishments channel. They all still put it in every day. We look through them and it's like the, yeah, the accountability to oneself, the accountability to the business, to what we said we were going to do. Um, yeah. It kind of all got started way back then. So a ton of, a ton of building there. I, was at the point of doing like as much content and kind of working with those like online presence reviews, basically as much as I could to, to show value truthfully. So a lot of it is like, okay, I got to show value and do something to, to help. And so at that point, I believe we had a web app to show inspectors. So it was like, I got coffee with a few inspectors, showed it to them. Um, I don't know if I even understood all their feedback or what the hell was going on, you know, but they were just like, Oh yeah, it needs to do this. And this took some notes and I, we got some insight from it. Um, but they were also busy and just felt like, you know, they used their program. So it was, that part was exciting yet really frustrating where it's like you get in front of them. They give you a bunch of gibberish where, you know, making sense of it, like that product work, like I had never done it before. And so it was kind of like, you know, we would just talk about it and be like, okay, what, what should we actually do? Cause this guy was kind of rambling. He kind of was all over the place, but like he may have given us a nugget or two. So that was fall. And I think you were kind of that final filter of the intuition of just what to do to make it usable, to make it elegant, to make it um, an improvement. I remember, yeah, just parsing through all this feedback. I had like a billion sticky notes around all three of my monitors of just like the different feedback and like what colors of priority. This was before you forced me to use Trello and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the sticky notes. You're like, dude, Trello is sticky notes. It's literally sticky notes. No, no, well, not literally, but yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I remember trying to parse all this feedback and, and for some reason, I don't know what gave me the confidence of feeling 
like I knew what should and shouldn't be in and out. I don't know if that was like the aggregate of my past experiences or just like if somebody has to decide, I'm just going to go with my gut and Mm -hmm. say, pass on this thing for now, definitely include this thing. But um, it was very much like intuition guided. I know everybody talks about like data driven. We were talking to like three or four inspectors. And so we don't have enough data points. We just had this like these feelings based on what we're hearing from the people we were talking to and then reading forums and just also what we would want to see. Cause we were trying to do something that wasn't just recreating our competitors. We were trying to make it like look and feel different. We had a very novel approach of what the home inspection report should look like. Like instead of being a big old PDF, it was like an interactive dynamic web page, which nobody had really done in the space. And so yeah, we just were kind of guided by intuition, guided by listening, asking a lot of questions to our inspectors. And um, efficiency really, too. I think yeah. you understood efficiency and that was kind of like a big stake in the ground was like, we're going to make this app more efficient to use than others. And that guided, I think a lot of like tap, you know, we tracked taps and thought about how many taps it would take to do the main tap, the main thing they do, which is take a picture. And I think you were on a mission to say like, okay, this is going to be so easy that you can do this at the house and you don't have to do it at home every night. And right. um, Gosh. And my mindset at the time, I, I, I want to do a whole podcast episode on this term that I coined. I think I coined it. Maybe I heard it, but I don't remember of um, so, so developers often talk about test driven development and they write tests first and then they write all the code to make (laughs) the test Um, for like, two and a half years of our, or the first two and a half years of development, I wrote zero tests. I like to call it revenue driven development. Like everything I did was like, <laughs> what's the thing that gets us closer to revenue? What's the thing that makes us the next bump of revenue? The next customer says, Hey, I'll sign up if you have that feature. And um, that governed everything. And I think most engineers, like true software engineers would have been like, wait, you're doing what? That's a terrible idea. Why would you ever do that? But for the longest time, just like how everything interacted and connected was all in my head. And that's what enabled us to move so fast and be so productive in terms of feature output, iterating, listening to customers. I was like, I wasn't writing any unnecessary stuff like error handling, tests. Uh, Granted, we had to pay back all this tech debt. We'll have an episode on tech debt and how we're still paying off some of my early transgressions. But guess what? We were able to do it with revenue from the money. Yeah, we made money. Then we hired real developers. I don't feel like I'm a real developer. I'm like a dude that studied business, learned how to code, did a bunch of random shit. So I can code, but in a way that's not like what a true developer would do. You got a um, degree. You're a developer. Sure. But you, you were CIS major, right? CIS. But yeah. That's under the business school. It's not under computer science. That's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's such a good uh, episode topic, though, I think, of... Move, truly moving fast and breaking shit because we broke yeah. broke a lot of shit early on and but that we'll get into it we'll have an episode uh, how to handle that because a lot of people think oh stuff breaks they just move on to the next app it's like well there's ways to keep them engaged there's ways to keep building that trust and be there for people when things are going wrong because things have to go wrong things will oh, and it's all about the relationships like i think we created such good relationships. Like I still remember the names of our first 200 customers. I remember their kids' names, their wives' names, what kind of personal things they might've been going through. Cause we were just on the phone with them so much. We were chatting with them. We were emailing back and forth at all hours of day and night because we just, we needed it to work. This became like 
the thing that we were invested in hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's end of 16. So that's fall of 16. And I believe, did we set a date? I thought, I thought we set a date of like, we, we are launching 2017. I think I thought we just said beginning of the year, January, we're yeah. going to do it. I thought we said like January 1st, 2017, like hell or high water where we're announcing something out there. on some forum that, you know, all of our home inspector potential customers frequent, we're just going to put ourselves out there. We're scared as fuck. We're, we're just like, oh, everything is so ragtag and in shambles, but we're just, we, we have got to do it. Yeah. And so we did, well, before that, I think that's when you quit your day job. I quit. Which, yep. Quit what? November, quit November 7th. Why would you do that before we even launched? Blind belief, man. Like honestly, in part, and there's all, there's so many factors. So it's like seeing, seeing what you were able to, to build and get out there and that commitment for one, but two, it was always in the plan. It was just kind of like, it was later than I probably should have, or even wanted to, to be honest. So it was like that fear. It was like tiptoeing to the edge of the diving board and then just standing there, you know, for an extra month or two or three. And then finally just being like, there's no way I can be fully present and always answering and just always all in, just be all in all the time. I have to go to this place for eight hours a day and I just driving and commuting and so it, it definitely was a pull and I had been waiting for that without even knowing it. I had been waiting for that moment for 10 years, where it's just like all those days in the cubicle, all those days in the shitty meetings, all those days in performance reviews and blah, you know, all the shit that, you know, a lot of people know what I'm talking about where it's like, you're just, I was just on TechCrunch reading about startups and sending emails to you. So it's like, it all, that's all built up in the background to where it's just like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going in on this. Like we're going all in. And granted, it wasn't like we had zero. I had zero dollars in the bank and nothing. I don't want to paint a, a, an unrealistic picture. Like I had been doing real estate. I had a good year. I had money in the bank, maybe somewhere. It may have been like 20 to 50 K. So it was a cushion. So it's like, that's important to know. It was like, not like we were just eating ramen and living in the streets. Right. So it was, but it, that was, that was on purpose too. I think we've lived, we both lived simple lifestyles, for this moment to kind of be ready for that. Yeah. I, that's another podcast episode too, of like the preparation because you know, you want to take shots at the goal. So right. many people live paycheck to paycheck. They spend everything they bring in. I was the guy that would order water when I went out to bars with friends in my twenties. Cause I was always putting aside money into like my cushion, my emergency cushion fund. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, by the time this was happening, I think I had a hundred grand in the bank that was saved up over the course of like, what, 15 years of professional Free, life. freelancing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, and like we, we always lived below our means. We always bought like homes or rented places much smaller than we could technically afford or what they tell you like, Oh, spend 28% on real estate or, or rent. It's like, no, I don't want to push myself to the max. I want to have that cushion. So at the time I thought, Hey, we have a runway here. If I make $0 for a year, like, I'd still be okay as long as we were seeing progress. And I think that was the conversations in my household with my wife was like, Hey, I, we're going to do this. My wife is a special ed teacher. So we're, you know, we, we had like mm-hmm. a net in, or a combined income of 30 K once I was all in on this. Um, we started renting out our basement. You know, we had a couple spare Art. bedrooms down there. So we rented out the basement. Yeah. To reduce the, uh, the spend of our household. And I remember, you know, we tightened the belt a little bit cause it just hurts to see your savings diminish. But, um, yeah, some of that preparation is key. I think that's um, 
yeah, we'll talk more about that in a future episode. Yeah. And how it affects decision-making specifically, because I think that that played a huge part in our um, patient aggression or whatever you want to call that like day-to-day methodical decision-making. So, so I quit liberating day, day I've been waiting for, you know, and I think I started a journal for the first like week I fell off after a week, but I was like, I'm going to document this because my future self is going to want to know what I felt like. And I remember sitting down at the computer on day one and, and like my journal even was just like, fuck, like, what do I do? Like, I just felt lost. And you, you kind of guided me because you had, you had freelanced, you had worked jobs, you had stopped working, you had, you'd done lots of things. And I think you were like, Hey, give yourself, you know, give yourself grace, give yourself time to kind of like process where you're at and what you're doing. And then it'll hit, you know, it'll hit where you start really wanting to get hungry and get after it. So did that in November. I assume we were, we were just grinding every day, talking to people between November and January of 17. Um, I don't know. What do you remember about that time? Probably like a lot of late nights of just like making sure shit works. Oh right? yeah. Like <laughs> and I, testing. I, we tested, yeah. I, we did do a little bit of testing. I did manual testing. Oh, you were the QA department. I just like yeah. crank out features and be like, dude, click through these and you would and you'd be like hey when i click this it's just white screen yeah shit okay let me do something better there maybe not maybe it's just like hey on to the next feature don't worry about it yeah but and this is where being full-time is so important is like our feedback loop i remember it being very tight where it's just oh. like you'd kick something boom you'd fix it you kick something to me i send it back you'd fix it and it was like it was this momentum building without us even maybe knowing it oh yeah yeah we were we were moving so quick we were adding so much and Come January 1st of 2017, I think we were a couple of days late. It was like January yeah. 3rd. Like mid-Jan, maybe. But we finally posted something on the forums. Everybody was like, this looks like garbage. Like most of the feedback was very negative. We um, we, we were a little deflated, I think, after that first like little announcement that we made. Do you remember that feeling? Oh, yeah. I went back and read this thread because it's a forum. So it's like I went back and read it only like a month or two ago. Um and this is the biggest association in our industry. The founder of it literally announced it to everybody. And everyone kind of listens to this guy, Nick Gramico. He's in our industry. He's a big name. Everyone kind of just listens to what he says, follows him, kisses his ass, even some instances. But like he put, he announced this for us. So we were like, sweet, we're going to get tons of signups. This is going to be, everyone's going to just like trust it because he's saying it. He posts it um, in no less than like a dozen responses of like, Oh yeah, that's trash. That's not going to work. Like, Oh yeah, those reports are ugly. I I would never pay, you know, 79 bucks a month for your shitty software. (laughs) And I remember my wife was so mad. She was just like, Oh, this feels like bullying. Like, you know, she was so territorial over us or she was just like, this is so mean and wrong. And I'm like, this is going to be tougher than we, than we thought. (laughs) But you handled it with so much grace. You got in there and you're like, Hey, really appreciate the feedback. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean? But when you say it's garbage, (laughs) (laughs) what does trash look like to you? (laughs) Describe trash. And we engaged with a few of them. And it's funny now, like half the people that trashed it, that first post are now users, right? Like now we're kind of one of the dominant names in our space. So many of the guys that were skeptical or even bullying us are now like, these users that tout our names, shout it from the rooftops and say they're the best company in the space and are such innovators. So we won them over eventually. And we'll talk in many episodes about how that happened over, you know, four years, four years, five years. We tur- yeah. We turned four oh. officially three months ago. So that, 
yeah, that launch, needless to say, it was kind of like this build up to this moment that we built up in our heads. And then like, you know, the air, when it comes out of the balloon, it's just kind of like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and so we, yeah. And it was crickets, right? Like it was crickets. Uh, we, we created the sign up channel so we can see you and like free trials quote float in and um, couple, they, they did not flow in. They drip dropped in like once every couple of days. And then we'd like reach out to them. It's like, Oh, that's like a bot or a spam account. Yeah. Or, you know, and then when we did get a hold of somebody, we really try and engage with them. We, uh, I think we decided very quickly we were going to offer also like marketing because we heard from people they needed marketing help. So we're right. going to offer these marketing plans to leverage your SEO experience. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll write your blog for you. I'll put out newsletters. Like, we'll do basically whatever you want if you give us money. And right. that's, I think, that was a minor hook. Yeah. So I don't remember. It's probably like late January or early February when one guy was like, uh, okay, I'll pay you money. Can you do like my website and I'll use your software? Like whatever. I'm coming from like some other profession. Maybe he just didn't know any better. He's coming from some other profession. He hadn't seen all the gossip and knew who all the big players were. He just did like a Google search and stumble across us. And um, he's like, ah, couldn't, yeah. couldn't have been a Google search because we weren't anywhere to be found. <laughs> I guess that's true. It was probably <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We're, I don't even think we were on page ten. Uh, we, were, we were like <laughs> non-existent. So I think it it may have been. Um, a Facebook user group. I think we started mm. around there where we were like, Hey, we need a private group where we can get feedback from people, but like, we didn't mm. have anyone in there to start. Um, but he may have seen the post on the forum and reached out. And so I think like answering emails is underrated early on where it's like, you got it. You better answer it within 10 seconds. Like, because wow. they're so busy. They don't know who you are. Like you have to be Johnny on the spot. I feel like right away. And we were, Oh, we, really bad ethos. we still have under 30 second response time on our chat. We have, you know, half our team is like part of our client success team. We're known for it. Chat bubble. We're known and for so, it. yeah. And so we still maintain that level of service. I think that was so key to like who we are and how it set us apart instead of like, oh, you'll hear back from us in one to two business days. It was like, no, you'll hear back from us like now. That's right. how we did things. And you fixed stuff sometimes within minutes. So like literally kind of being on call. So like to certain devs, it probably makes scares you and makes you cringe, but like literally that mixed with our customer service is what got us. I think our first 10 customers was, Hey, this is, looks pretty slick and cool, but this isn't working. And Mike would be like, all right, refresh your screen now. And like Mike would talk, you talk directly to them. So that's a whole nother episode topic, which is like devs that aren't afraid to speak to customers. So much value in that. It's ridiculous. I needed to feel their pain. Like empathy is such a powerful tool, especially our business is like centered around empathy. It's one of our like cornerstones. And um, when you, the guy that's building something talks to the user who's pissed off that it doesn't work as intended, suddenly you feel this like urge to, I got to fix this. Whereas when it's relayed through issues and tickets, and then you see the specs, that's just not the same. And so that's been harder to maintain as we've grown but it's so important. I think in these early phases, um, it created raving fans. And I always remember that's a, a silly term from Schwab is like, they wanted to create raving fans, but it's like, we actually did because they do that. They, they'd be with bugs. And then you also be with features. Cause early on we were okay with that because we were just like, cool, whatever you need, like you'll yeah. build it. And you did. <laughs> yeah. It got a little messy, um, but we needed to win over customers. And, um, and, you know, I think as time is getting long, we probably should end it. Like our first customer is the end point, the, the bookmark for this first podcast. Yep. Gosh, I remember that feeling of like, holy shit. 
if one guy thinks this is worth money, now it's just a matter of reaching everybody and finding whatever percentage might be interested in what we have right now. Because one guy's willing to pay money for one it. person. And so that was so validating that, you know, and it, yeah, it, you know, we'll get into how it was a slow, slow snowball for that first year. Um, but I believe is right around the time when my wife and I found out we were expecting our first kid was like when we also got our first customer. I was like, hey, this it, one, this has to work because we're expecting our first kid. Yeah. And two, it's like, hey, this could actually work. Like we have something building here. And um, gosh, what a feeling, what a feeling to have one customer. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's the beginning, but it's the end of this chapter of the story in, in a sense. And so that's like what five, you know, that's three, two years. That's two years of kind of how we even launched a SaaS company and got to one customer from literally nothing from an idea in meetings in a conference room and a bunch of optimism. Uh, and so I think we've, we've clearly have 10 topics just stemming from that, that we'll do in future episodes, but no, this is good. I like it. Yeah. We, well, we wanted to step through this journey and remember it as clear as we could. And hopefully I, I, I guarantee it's relatable to a lot of people listening. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you have, um, things you want us to dive into more, let us yeah. know, let us know, because, um, I think we'll circle back to a lot of the topics from those early, like pre-launch years over the course of our episodes, but um, we'd love to just dive into anything that people are curious about because there's a yeah. lot there. So much happened in those first two years. And sometimes I feel like that's the most important stuff. Everything else was like building on top of the foundation that we laid. And um, yeah, those first two years. And then I think that first year of business that we'll dive into on the next episode, so much of that was the foundation upon which this whole, this whole house was built. So yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep going through it. This has been fun. Perfect. Let's wrap it here. Email, email us with questions, um, write in the comments. If there's things you want to hear, see about, uh, Kevin at spectora.com, Michael at spectora.com. All right. Thanks Kevin. Right on. Fun, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Later. All right. See you.